0: This is The Fit Mess, conversations with world-class experts in the fields of mental, physical, and emotional health. In this episode, it's not telling you what you have to be or or even like exactly how you're going to get there. It's not about that. It's about looking at things through a slightly different lens that helps you not be in shame, in pain, in confusion, things like that. Now here are your hosts, Zach and Jeremy.
1: On any journey, no matter how trivial or serious, you're bound to get off track. That's especially true when it comes to self-improvement. There are peaks, valleys, tips, tricks, and sometimes complete bullshit, all of which can leave you feeling lost. But I know for me, it usually only takes a little nudge in the right direction to get back on track, at least for a while. But if I'm really lost, that's when it's time to ask for directions. That's why we're excited to share with you in this episode our interview with Hallie Bateman. She's an author, an illustrator, an artist. Her new book is full of directions. In fact, that's the title. Directions, really good advice for getting from here
2: to there. As we were getting ready to speak with Hallie Bateman about, about her book, Directions, flipping through her book, it was, it was really interesting how it just depended on my mood that day as to what caught my eye and, and what motivated me and, you know, what helped, but it was, it was incredible how like this and and other things, right. You, your mood, your feelings, like, I want to believe that I'm a static guy. Like I feel the same all the time, Mm -hmm. but like, I just bounce around all over the place. Like, you know, one minute I'm happy, the next I'm sad, the next minute I'm depressed, the next minute I'm excited and happy again. And it's just all over the place all the time. And that's okay. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just recognizing that like your emotions are so short-lived and then you're on to the next, and then you're on to the next. And you don't know what that next one's going to be. So being prepared for the range of, of emotions. and I'm not, you know talking about huge, you know, changes between being happy and sad. but you know, it is amazing when you think about it, like how many peaks and valleys you have in any given day, and then wonder how you're actually sane and able to keep a job and like just function as a human being with all of this craziness running through your head.
1: That I mean, that triggers a couple things for me. One is, uh, you know, whenever I go to my therapist, he always asks how I'm doing. And that you know generally opens up an hour of me just complaining about things. But whenever I ask him how he's doing, he's he always says, I'm always the same. And I know it's bullshit, but he's he's playing this game of, I'm, I'm not a real person. I am this mirror that you're about to bounce all the stuff off of. And the idea of trying to be that robotic and to be that static is just impossible. Yeah. And so when you do allow room for emotions to do what they're going to do and feelings to do what they're going to do, it like you said, becomes kind of alarming at at how much you swing. And that sort of piggybacks on what we talked about, about last week, about being prepared for anything for most people. Maybe I shouldn't say most people. I think for many people, an emotional range of emotions and, and ups and downs are a normal part of everybody's day. But for people that battle any kind of mental illness, anxiety, depression, that kind of thing, you have to be prepared for those huge peaks and those huge valleys and know what weapons to use to fight back when those start to take over. And that's what when we talked to Greg Everett last week about finding the balance, not letting any of those emotions take control or or over-rationalizing, that that sort of thing. Having the tools and knowing how to react so that you can keep some sense of balance is essential. And that's that's so much of what we talk about here.
2: And the right tools is is what we're referring to, right? I mean I can I can think back to a a number of instances where the darkness crept in and my first instinct was well time to go drink some beers,
1: mm-hmm. right? That is such a hard one to kick when you let that go too. Like I still I haven't I haven't had a sip of alcohol in 4 years and and again for anyone who's not familiar like I I don't think I was any kind of an alcoholic. I don't think it was an addiction issue, but it certainly was a dependency and I know that now when when the stress is too much there is this default to what what toxin can i put in my body to fix this what how can yeah. i take this away
2: yeah no i i gave it up five years ago myself and it's same thing but i replaced it with like you know ice cream right. so i and and i recognize that now like when i'm having that stressful moment when i'm having those dark places or, or something that's got me
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know i i have retrained myself to go reach for the ice cream instead of the beer which is, you know, equally bad in different ways, but I don't lose control. I will develop diabetes, but, you know, I don't lose control. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do recognize it now. Like when I, when I am craving ice cream now, like yeah. I know that, that that's a reflection point. Right. That's a moment where I can sit back and go, all right, what's happening? What's really happening here? Let, let's get rid of the bullshit. Yeah. Get rid of the surface. And let's dig deep and figure out what's going on.
1: This is what we talk about all the time about getting curious in those moments, and, and I'm having to do that right now D- today before we hit record. I'm, I just I'm I'm in a funk. I don't I don't feel awesome. I, it's been already a hectic morning with a lot of things going on, and it's going to be an even more hectic day. And I spent five hours hanging out with friends who I haven't seen in a year and a half yesterday. And I know, like, and it's nothing against that. I love I love them. I would spend all the time in the world with them. But when you haven't spent time with anyone for a year and a half, and then you start diving deep into these long visits, it's emotionally draining and it just takes all this energy. And even though, you know, I know, I know I slept well last night, there's just I I'm craving just quiet. I'm craving just a retreat into a place where I can just sort of recharge. And I only know that because I'm sitting here going, okay, why do I feel this way? Instead of just reacting to it and going, what? garbage can i put in my face now i need to yell at everybody now i need to you know throw something because i'm angry you you do have to get curious when you're fighting those moments and and find the path that will really help you out of it and not just put a band-aid on it like you know drinking or or whatever would do
2: yeah so just you know for the listeners why are we why are we talking about all this i we have a, we have a really good reason for why we're we're talking about the ups and downs and the the, the different days, we we have a really good interview coming up. Uh, we got a chance to talk with Hallie Bateman, the author of Directions, really good advice for getting from here to there. The book is really great. It's it's a final product of of this really cool and interesting artistic process that she went through to come up with these directions. And it, it's just a very different book, but uh, I loved it. Jeremy, I I know you read it too.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great one to have on the nightstand and to just be able to pick up and turn to any random page and, and sort of process what is, what is the meaning of this to me right now? Why did, why did fate turn me to this page? And just, it offers you chances to reflect on, on sort of where you are in your journey. But enough from
2: us, let's, let's just cut over to the interview with Hallie Bateman and she will tell you all about her new book, Directions.
1: Your book is a lot of fun, a lot of fun to flip through and I'm curious about the title, getting from here to there. What does that mean for you? That's obviously something uh, that anyone who opens this can interpret for themselves. But what did that mean for you when you put that together?
0: Yeah. So the subtitle was was something that actually my my publisher helped me create. And you know, when you're making a book, you know, people might think that this was 100% me, but there's an entire team of brilliant people making every aspect of it shine and um, the getting from here to there aspect. I, I like that because as you said, it's like broad enough that people can interpret it how they want. But the way that I see it is that this book isn't really about like arriving somewhere finally. And like, Oh, you're like, it's not about fixing you. It's not about becoming this you know alternate version of yourself it's about going from a place of maybe you're in a in a pinch of agony about something and a page you read in this book might tweak things just enough that you're out of agony and closer to joy and the way that that I interpret that title is sort of That's what this book is about. It's just giving you direction and it's not giving you a destination. It's not telling you what you have to be or or even like exactly how you're going to get there. It's not about that. It's about looking at things through a slightly different lens that helps you not be in shame, in pain, in confusion, things like that
2: so just like drawing on the title of the book how how did this come to be how did it go from non-existent <laughs> to actually something physical that you're holding like i want i want to hear that story because this is a bit of a different book
0: yeah so this book is different even for me i've made two other books and the way that i made my my last two books was the first one was commissioned by the museum of modern art. So they had the idea, they came to me and said, here, we want you to do this. And then I did it. Um, The second book was, I had this idea worked on it for five years with my mom and then, and then turned it into a book. Um, My mom and I wrote a book together called what to do when I'm gone. And it was very much like we had this idea and, you know, pushed and pushed until it exists. And Directions was not an idea at all <laughs> to begin with. It was really a something that appeared and and then I responded to it appearing. So I was drawing in 2017 with my brother. He was visiting and we had torn up a bunch of construction paper and we were just sitting together and and the idea was that we were going to fill up every page until it was done, which is an exercise that I love to do just for fun. Um, And that was when the first directions appeared. And I I did not conceive of them before they were on the page. I just wrote a a handful of them. And at the end of our afternoon, I looked through them and was like, I guess I won't throw these away. So I I tucked them in an envelope and put them away and didn't look at them or think about them for another year. And when I came across them again, I thought they were kind of funny. Uh, I decided to share them not with the idea that I would make more just the idea of like, oh, I didn't throw these away. I guess I'll share them. So so i shared them and the the response from my my followers on instagram was so strong and so unique and so like unusual like it, they they were quite like like they just got a, a real response from people and i think that i really wouldn't have written more if it weren't for how much people responded it really made me pay attention and people literally asked for more and So I was really guided by the artwork and by the people who were consuming the artwork. It wasn't that I had, you know, me, Hallie had this idea that this would be a series. It was like very much me following information I was being given. And so I I, I paid attention to that. I sat down. I wrote more of them. I kind of replicated the process that I'd written the first ones with where I would like tear up a bunch of construction paper, grind my ink. Like I, I work with um, an ink stone and you, you grind ink with water and you kind of make your own ink. So I have this, mm-hmm. like this sort of meditative process that I would get into. I would smoke a little weed, put on music, like try to get into a place where I can write and not really set it up so that I I don't want to stop so when I would sit down and start to write the first few directions that I would write I would be in my head like this is so bad stop what you're doing what are you saying because you're really I, I was really making a space where I could just try to let go as much as possible and channel whatever wanted to come out and So I learned that I had this this part of my mind that wanted to censor what I was doing and wanted to wanted me to stop. So I really tried to create an environment where when I heard that voice, I would look around at everything that I'd prepared over like 20 minutes. Like I'd set the scene and that I would be like, what else have I got to do today? Like, come on, just fill up the paper, just see. So that really became my process and so I would I would ink a ton of them my space would be covered in all these pages that were that ink was drying and then I would go through them and kind of choose the ones that that resonated with me and and they did surprisingly some of them I like can't tell you where they came from mm. and some of them are connected to a memory or maybe a feeling that I wanted to express for a very long time that finally found a voice in this process and and so i i continued that and it was it was stunning how much of a, a reaction it got so so that's kind of the that's kind of the the process was just a lot of this like repeating this uh this unique experiment
1: yeah yeah i have a thousand questions about that process i'm going to try and narrow them down to like two but one is, as I was flipping through, one of the pages uh, was something to the effect, and I thought I wrote this down, but I did, I did not. One of them was something about uh, if people tell you to write a book about it, write that book. And I was just curious, as you were putting this together, and I imagine the response made you think, oh, this should be a book, was there any of the doubt that crept in there going, who's going to buy this book that is pages of, of these directions rather than a a more traditional book with, you know, here's, here's how to live your life better, et cetera, et cetera. Did doubt hold you back much at all? Or, or did you just follow that same intuition that was speaking to you through those pages?
0: I have to say that this, this book, the doubt that I had (laughs) was, was not necessarily about, Oh, who would want this? Because people, I wrote that direction that says, if someone says this could be a book, yes. make a book. Like, yeah. so, it's something like that. And I, so I wrote that because people were telling me a lot to make it a book. Like I, I think I screenshotted a few of them and sent them to my agent and was like, so we should make a book? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I, it wasn't like I thought who would want this because there was – there was enough of a response that that became clear. The doubt was why do they want it?
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) Which
0: I, I, you know, I hesitate to say that because I'm here. I am publicizing my book, but truly this is something where, you know, my last book, I, it was a narrative. It was deeply personal. It was a story that I was telling and I was plagued with doubt while we were making it and while we were pitching it. And in fact, most people didn't want it. And I had to really express, here's why you want this. Here's why this is important mm-hmm. and had to really push for it. And this book was not about me pushing for something that people didn't want. It was it was people saying, we want this, we want this. And I had to deal with my own resistance to doing what I'm told. <laughs> There's actually another direction in the book that says, don't let their wanting it stop you from giving it to them which was about my own sort of egocentric response to people calling me to do something specific and and my my ego brain being like well i didn't come up with it so or like or like <laughs> not i didn't come up with it but like well don't i want to do my like well why should i do what i'm told sure, like sure. you know you know what I'm totally saying? totally yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so so the the doubt was more about my my learning about what this meant to people and why this was so so impactful and so popular. And actually when the book came out in March, I was really reflecting on what do I want to get out of this release? What 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 are my intentions going into this book entering the world? And the main thing I came up with was I want to find out what this book means to people because it's still such a a beautiful mystery to me where I I can't it's it's hard to talk about something that isn't narrative based but is really just me in a book. Like that's the sure. best way. Like my husband read it and and was just like, This is just you. This is you in a book. And and that's a that's a tricky thing to, you know, just have a tagline about and publicize and, and whatever. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of an interesting, as you said, it's a very different book.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so it's you in a book that it, I'm going to go off of the script that I have over here. I, <laughs> this is a, so I, as I fl- I flipped through this book twice and the first time I went through it, a few of them stuck out and I was like, Oh, that, that really resonates based on this this moment in time, and then the next time I went through it, different ones that I had read before that had didn't hit me at all resonated based on that moment that I was in, and I really saw the you know the value of this book being you know just picking it up and you can find things that resonate in that particular moment. How does it feel though that like this book that is you, other people are resonating and you're sharing all these common things with other people. And, you know, something that you've written is really personal to me as well, if this is your book. It's, it's a book about you.
0: Yeah. I guess I wouldn't say it's about me, but I, I love hearing this, this interpretation that, that something that meant nothing to you one day meant something the mm-hmm. next day because that's, that is so true and that's how, that's how life is. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's so interesting. I I'm honored to to be able to connect with people in this way and I think that the process that I created with myself where I sort of kept fear out of it and allowed the words to 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 be put on the page and and really tried to not be writing from Hallie. <laughs> like I tried to be, I tried to just let absolutely whatever wanted to, to come out, to come out. And I think that that's sort of the reason why there's a, a real shared humanity to these and why they're, you know, they're very simple and not overly, like they're, they're very specific, but they're not overly specific And I think that there's something to the sort of gentle observational quality of them where I'm I'm really not always saying like you should do this in such a rigid way. I'm sort of like if I am saying that it's like kind of jokey too. It's like admit to yourself that your ass is exquisite. Like when you're saying that to someone there's there's such a it can't be interpreted as like a bullying demand because it's just so silly. And I, I guess that that balance as being something that I strike in this, it makes it feel, even though so much of it is so deeply personal, like that, that direction, you know, connects to my own experience with an eating disorder and with, with me needing to admit that my ass is exquisite. <laughs> And yet, you know, I, that stuff isn't, that stuff is there informing it, but it's not on the page. Like I'm not, I've never really offered, except a little bit on Instagram when the book came out, I sort of I sort of, experimented with explaining some of what went into some of them. But I've really tried to leave a lot of the, you know, autobiographical aspects out of it and just offer the lesson without without too much context.
1: I'm gonna put Zach on the spot a little bit with the exquisite ass uh, page because that one stood out to me because like you said, it's it's not an instruction manual but it is sort of a guide and can sort of shift your perspective. As Zach and I have been doing this show and, and trying to grow a social media community and all this, at some point somebody said something to him about his ass and how he he has a rather okay ass uh, on some level, and that he should share more of that because that would grow you know, the social media audience. And so when I read that, I was like, that is, that it's exactly that. It's those little moments where someone sort of needs to help you point out a different perspective. So maybe Zach doesn't think he has an exquisite, exquisite ass, but somebody thought he did and went, you should share more of that. I wanna see more of your ass
2: in the gym. And it's just that it's,
0: is hilarious, right?
2: I, I actually took a screen. I, I took a picture of that page and sent it to my wife. and like <laughs>
0: Should I
2: should I believe this? And you responded back, "Yep," with exclamation points. <laughs> so, so That's I love. So that. I
1: love that it is just these. It's it's not so much uh, an instruction manual, but these sort of gentle nudges to to think differently. Uh, and I'm curious, as these ideas, these uh, different um, directions were coming to you. Are there any that ended up in the book that you either have regrets or had regret or or had some hesitation about putting them in because you had whatever negative experience with them? And and also are there a couple that are just these are gold, and I'm so glad that I that I put the work into these.
0: Well, I certainly don't have any that I regret putting in. My team and I were combing through. I mean, I think we had hundreds that we were considering and and everyone that wound up in here was you know as silly as some of them are were very carefully considered so so no I don't have any that that I regret I do have you know some favorites one of my favorites is on page 29 do not be embarrassed not even of that not even of that and that was one of the the first ones I wrote and is one that I I feel so connected to just because you know how deep down we're all kind of like a different age of ourselves as children at, at different points mm-hmm. in our lives. Like, absolutely. I feel very much like in my soul, I'm like 11 years old <laughs> and I'm on the playground and I am deeply humiliated by everything. Right. And so this one is a reminder to myself that, I'm not 11. No one's going to bully me. And well, except sometimes people people on the internet, but (laughs) fuck them. Um, (laughs) I, I, yeah. And that, and that being embarrassed of something is what makes it embarrassing. And if you're not embarrassed, then it's not embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of a beautiful, twist of the mind to that, where you can realize, I mean, the one about admit to yourself that your ass is exquisite is the same thing where if you, th- if you find yourself beautiful, exquisite, sexy, whatever, if you are able to believe that that is the whole thing. And I re- I think that one really came out of realizing that when I would, be looking at, you know, other like women's bodies and, and I would be envious. It was not even about the shape of their body. It was not about how it looked. It was about how they seemed comfortable and how they seemed to love themselves. And, and that was such a, I mean, I don't know if I realized that before I wrote the direction, but it was really coming out of this thing of like, oh, it's about choosing to to love yourself, and it's about choosing to, to you know, be the one to to find yourself beautiful, and then everything else follows.
2: So there's there's two I wanted to ask you about. Um, one is um, really just a how how deeply it hit me. It's the if you if it ever occurs you occurs to you to buy flowers, buy them. Every time I walk in the grocery store, you have to walk through the flower section. And every time I think about it and every time I don't get them. So that changes today.
0: Wow.
2: Um, well, I go to the grocery store a lot, so it might be a little bit of an expensive um, outing, <laughs> but we'll, we'll figure it out. But the other one that I wanted to ask you about that really that both times when I flipped through it really just went, I, I went, aha. Yeah, that's it. It's, you know, think about what you'll miss most when you're dead and do more of that. That one was like,
0: Ooh,
2: yeah, yeah. That, that's really deep, and that I need to remember that one. But I want to hear your perspective on that and, wow. and why that.
0: I love that you chose that one. I haven't, I haven't been asked too much about that one. I think mostly because people shy away from talking about death. But I, I love that one, and thank you for for bringing it up. I wrote that it really came out of a very exact memory, a very exact experience that happened years ago that, you know, I think I always wanted to express what that feeling was and then it came out in a direction. So I was actually, it was when I lived in New York and I went to the movies by myself in the middle of the day and I was watching the Roger Ebert documentary that came out a few mm-hmm. years ago and going to the movies, first of all, by myself in the middle of the day in New York city is like just my favorite thing. Um, nice. One of the things I truly miss the most about New York. And when I was there watching it, I mean, I was just crying throughout the movie and it wasn't part of it was the movie was beautiful. And, and Roger Ebert, beautiful person and, and just the whole, you know, story of that. And then there was also just this full body sense of awe that I get to be here watching this. I'm alive. This is, this is something that I won't be able to do when I'm dead. And I, I, I just I I just think I'm gonna miss this the most. Like one of the things that I'm gonna miss the most, and and I remember just being so hit hard by that. And weirdly, I walked out of that movie, and my dad called me to tell me that my grandma had passed away, which is wow. a funny a funny connection that you know you get that full body sense of life is so precious and then yeah. reminders upon reminders. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that feeling and how, how it truly uh, hit me in a way that was unforgiving Like, I don't think you remember going to the movies that much because you just remember the movie, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but that really hit me hard. And then I, I, I guess I think it just came out in, in one of the sessions. And it was just one of those things that I had been waiting to, to find a, a way to express that. So so that's that's kind of the story behind it.
1: As we wrap up, that that sort of brings me back to um, some observations I had about just the introduction to the book and talking about alive people versus not alive people. And and I think that sort of uh, what you just, the story, the beautiful story you just told sort of sets up that experience of, of the difference between truly being alive and just sort of existing. So can you talk a little bit about that, how that became a part of your life?
0: Yeah, so alive people is something that my mom would always say. She would she would just be like, you know, talking about someone she'd met and be like, ooh, that, you know, they're an alive person. And and the way that she, she defines that is someone who is alive is like, Listening, actually listening to what you're saying, finds, you know, finds finds meaning and, and excitement in serendipity. Actually, the perfect example I have is like another kind of like in New York or something. If you if you you find yourself on the same subway car as your friend, and you're like, what? We're right. both here. And like I've had I've had people who were both freaking out. were like, oh my god, it's magical. <laughs> and then there's other people who are like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm like, how can you not be absolutely astonished by this? And like, and that's sort of the de- definition of an alive person is someone who is just really um, present in in what's happening. And an, and a not alive person is. And, and I think we all are both at different times in sure. life, but you know, not a live person is kind of like dulled to the world. Like the, def- the example I give in the book is that you'll just blow right past the jasmine bushes and not stop to even pick up the scent. That's like very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I, I was really grateful to my mom for kind of giving me this, this perfect way to explain what the book is about, which, to me, is about finding finding bridges to aliveness, or, or or ways to keep yourself in aliveness. And I think that when I say that this book is me, or this book is you know is so much of myself, it's that that's kind of my whole deal. <laughs> my mission in life is to to keep myself in a place of Attentiveness, awe, like find, uh, truly just feeling, like uh, good or bad, being in a place where I can experience awe and experience how stunning it is to to exist and how how precious this is and how like going to the movies is something we shouldn't take for granted or all these little things are like like let's let's take a moment to be amazed by the fact that. The three of us are even talking right now. Things mm-hmm. like that, and and I just I, I, I used I used my mom's little um, yeah uh, definition as a way to explain kind of what this is, and it's and it's very much like what Zach said. It's like let the ones that hit you hit you, and and don't this book is not to be scrutinized. It's not to be you know uh, uh, obsessed over. It's like. Fi- drift through it find find what hits you that day and mm-hmm. allow it to to work its way through you
1: that's exactly how I picture just leaving it on the bedside table and just you know open to a random page and why did I open it to this page today and just explore what is that why, why did the universe mm-hmm. pick that page today so
0: great mm-hmm. stuff
1: uh thank you so much for for your time and for the book uh, where can we learn more about you and uh, and the book and, and your other projects
0: yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Halith Bates, H-A-L-L-I-T-H-B-A-T-E-S. And my website is just hallibateman.com. And uh, Directions is available everywhere books are sold. I especially love independent bookstores, but truly buy it wherever, wherever you wish. And I, I really hope you love it.
2: All right. That was our conversation with Hallie Bateman, the author of Directions. Really good advice for getting from here to there. Jeremy, I know we've, you know, we, we spent the beginning of the show really talking about the ups and downs and the different emotions. And I, and I really, you know, one of the takeaways that I had from, from that conversation and, and from reading this book is really just the, you know, uh, the multiple times that I've picked it up now and flip through it that it just it resonates differently every time i i read it and it it's you know not something that you read from beginning to end and go apply those principles it's just something that you know helps you in the moment with wherever you are in your life
1: it's funny it it totally makes sense that it's a project that was born basically from sharing on instagram because it is very similar to when i scroll our feed on instagram and you know because of the nature of the accounts that we follow there'll be different little posts of inspiration along the way. And at any point they can hit you in the right way or it can, Oh, that doesn't fit right now. That doesn't apply to me. But for the most part, it is just a book full of page after page of, of simple, what she, she calls them directions. That's what they are. And they are directions for getting from here to there and here to there is very much open to interpretation. And I think for me, I, I sort of, uh, infer in it what she was talking about there at the end about a lifetime versus existing and, It really is directions from existing to being more alive, to being more in touch with your feelings, your struggles, whatever it is that you're going through. These, these pages can really help you just take, like I said, moments ago, just take a moment to reflect on where you are in whatever journey you're on. And it can really help sort of steer your next steps toward what you're working toward. And part of that too, again, pointing out something she said about letting go of that inner critic, letting like, just sort of releasing any judgment and worrying about what people are going to think about your work or your path or whatever it is that you're doing, that's so critical to this work. Because if you constantly compare yourself to other people, you're constantly going to be behind in this artificial race that you've created for yourself. And that's never going to inspire you to take action. And action is so critical, even when you don't feel like taking it, because that action creates the inspiration to take the next action and to keep going. And it's just, it's so easy so often to compare yourself to someone else and give up and go, well, I'll, I'll never be that good.
2: Yeah. I i know. I personally, I was set up for failure at a, at a young age with, you know, how I was raised, of yeah. you know, constantly being compared to other people. My, you know, my dad, I've shared it before. My dad would, would point, you know, to a large gentleman in a restaurant and right. be like, Zach, that's going to be you. That's you. you. Um, so, you know, thanks dad. Love (laughs) you. He was a good guy, but he had a couple of flaws, but yeah, I mean, like the comparison to, to other people is just something that I struggled with as a, as a, as a young man, I still struggle with it as, as an older man. But I'm okay with it now. Like I, the feelings come, and I know how to knock them away. I know how to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes I need things like this. You know, this book, right? It yep. it, it helps. Like just that little quick reminder uh, uh, of these things. It's it was fantastic. I, I will continue to read this uh, on a regular basis because, you know, as we all know, my mood is is subject to change frequently.
1: Because you're not a robot.
2: I would like to be, though. It would be cool as hell.
1: (laughs) Okay, and with that, we will wrap it up for this week. Again, the book is Directions. Really good advice for getting from here to there. It is by Hallie Bateman. You can find the links to her and her book and her work on our website, thefitmess.com. While you're there, please do subscribe to our newsletter. Follow us on whatever podcast player you're using. And, of course, ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And before we go, Zach, I don't, I don't know if uh, you're, you're not home right now, so there may be a package waiting for you on your doorstep when you get home. Our fresh delivery of Athletic Brewing Company beers is, uh, is here, and so thank you to them for sponsoring us. We, we love working with those guys. It's just some of the best non-alcoholic beer available on the
2: market. There might be a package waiting for me, but you're right. I'm not home. I'm on vacation right now, um, and I bought every Athletic Brewing um, beer that that the beer store had. By my house, and when I bought it, the you know I brought all of them up, and then I went back and got more and brought more up. And How many did guy, you buy? Jesus. Uh, well, we're here for two weeks, so I, oh, I had okay. to have enough. I didn't want to risk the fact that you know I couldn't get any out here, right? Um, and I'll bring home whatever I don't drink, but I just I want to have enough when I'm at the beach. And the guy who was selling the beer was like, you know, this is non-alcoholic, right? And I was like, (laughs) oh yeah, I do. That's why I'm buying it. That's
1: why I'm buying it. That's what makes it so great. So thank you to them for being a sponsor and thank you for listening. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday at thefitmess.com with a brand new episode.